Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Uncommon Life Project podcast. This is your host, Brian Dewhurst. And Philip Ramsey. Welcome, everybody. We just want to thank you back for listening to the show, and we are so excited because we have a guest on today that is just uh, just forging a new path and just being uncommon, and we can't wait to bring, your, uh, bring his story to you. And uh, his name is Drew Kutkamp, and he is from Des Moines, Iowa. He is an international entrepreneur in cryptocurrency and uh, Amazon, and he left a six-figure job with uh, Wells Fargo here in Des Moines to pursue international uh, you know, interest in Columbia, South America, and we just can't wait to dive in with him today. Yeah, Drew is definitely a, uh, a constant learner, and he always wants to learn from people, and he wants to have mentors. I really respect this guy, and I would just say, like, one of his passions was to learn a different language. And the way that he went about that was obviously a little bit uncommon because he just flew down there. <laughs> and he just intertwined in the, in the culture, in the environment. And so, guys, welcome to the show, Drew Cutcomp. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Excited to be here today. Yeah. Dude, so let's talk about this. So you are in corporate America with great benefits, right? Wells Fargo and making good money. What was that snap in your head that said, you know what? I'm good here. I'm going to try something a little uncommon. Yeah, I guess it started maybe about uh, six to eight months before I decided to leave Wells Fargo that I just had made it up in my mind that sure, I could make a six-figure income at Wells Fargo being a senior mortgage loan officer. But at the same time, on a monthly basis, if I didn't show up and work as hard as I did the month before, my income wasn't going to be consistent. So it was very active income. And I just love to travel. I uh, literally every day I would take off of work, I would come back to like 100 emails. And you know it was just an overwhelming you just it didn't make you want to take a day off because of what you were coming back to and you might have lost an opportunity or a sale because of that so at the end of the day i just wanted to travel and that's kind of uh where it kind of started for sure i think there's a lot of people that we talk to from wells fargo great company by the way but they feel like they're just going through the motions <laughs> and they don't have that uh i guess risk factor or uh what would you say maybe not risk factor but maybe just the excitement level that you got that you had but there's it's somewhere deep inside of them that they were like ah, I just don't know if this is really satisfying for me and so dude kudos to you to realize that early enough to make a change yeah and I want to dive in on that drew uh, walk the listeners through that you said it was about six to eight months before you left like what were you reading who are you talking to what are the thoughts that you're going through your head from like a passion standpoint like what had your attention? outside of corporate America? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, six to eight months before I was, you know, reading a bunch of books and so forth about 
kind of one of them was like the compound effect by Darren Hardy and um, just kind of other like autobiographies of successful entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs or Phil Knight from Nike, the shoe dog books. Great. So just getting their thought process. And at the end of the day, they all kind of took at the time, it looked like big risks, but at the same time, they were just really following something that they were passionate about and kind of inside they truly felt like they should be pursuing. And so that's kind of what I was feeling like. I, I, Wells Fargo was a great company and I enjoyed the job. I learned a lot of good sales skills. So I'm not I mean, I definitely look back at that chapter as it being a good defining moment, but at the same time, it was just, I wasn't making an impact with my coworkers, Mm -hmm. right? I was making the same, in the same position. They didn't see me as something different, even though I felt like I did have something to offer just off of my experiences. So through mentorship, um, obviously the two of you have helped, but I think, you know, the proverb says that if you have like a multitude of counselors, you just have a lot more, uh, different degrees of uh, wisdom, not just of your own opinion. So that mm-hmm. definitely came into play. I had multiple people that I was kind of saying, hey, this is what I'm, my, my passions are, my gut's saying, my intuition, what do you think? And, and they just were kind of helping to shape that. So you had to seek out people of like mind or who'd gone first that kind of affirmed you that you weren't crazy, right? Is that exactly correct? Yes. I, uh, and surprisingly, a lot of people are very positive about me pursuing, just saying, this is a good opportunity. Why not, uh, you know, pursue your passions? And um, they didn't necessarily always understand why they were on passions, but that's, you know, it's hard to describe that. It, I just, you know, intuition's intuition. Mm-hmm. For sure. Let's talk about something. I, I know one, I want to be really candid and say that you are, you have no children, right? You're dating somebody back in the States, but uh, just to just to maybe kind of give some context around where you're at, it doesn't mean that you can't do what you're doing if you have a family. It's just sometimes I think it's kind of nice to hear that. But let's talk about what your parents thought when you first laid this out to them. Yeah, I mean, they definitely come from the school of thought of kind of just taking the conservative route. They worked you know, good professions for, you know, 30, 40 years and, you know, just were conservative in how they spent their money. And I learned a lot from that, but at the same time they, so, but they, but they understood that I was a very different person and that's, you know, if I'm not happy at working at a workplace, there's plenty of other professions and just pursue your dreams. So they're very travelers too. So they were, uh, I guess, initially, you know, it took time. I, just kind of warm them up to the idea. That's why I gave a six month, like, I think they were just more probably impressed that I followed through because I told them six months ago, I was going to do it. And then doing little steps to get to that point versus not being like two weeks from now, I'm just quitting my job and doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, I want to key in on this because I think it's uh, both of the things that you're doing to really support your, you know, income and lifestyle in Columbia uh, I think are kind of a mystery to a lot of people and they, mm. they have certainly been to me. So I really want to dive in. Like, how did you get started um, looking at Amazon and are you leveraging Amazon as like an affiliate, like promoting products or are you viewing it more like a business? You have inventory. Can you shed any light on how you got into Amazon and like how it kind of works at a high level? Sure. Of course. So I guess maybe six months back, kind of an answer to prayer, I got invited to kind of like a seminar where somebody was kind of training who had 
done, you know, very, you know, so multi-million dollars worth of business through uh, online platforms, Amazon being one of them. And so again, that mentorship just went with an open mind and learned quite a bit of information through, you know, I literally flew out to San Francisco, Chicago, and Miami to get additional training from these guys. So I guess at the end of the day, what how a high level of how Amazon works and how I'm taking advantage of it is there's a few ways, but Amazon itself allows you as a small business to list products on their site. That's where about 50% of their business comes from. Last year, Amazon did 50% of all e-commerce in the whole country. So they're massive, right? So they already have the customer base and they already have the logistics figured out. What they allow me to do is buy a product from China or like a wholesale supplier here that's willing to sell me a Fisher Price toy at 10 bucks that sells for 30 bucks on Amazon. I'm able to send the product into an Amazon warehouse. They hold the inventory for me. And then when, you know, Jane in Mississippi buys that Fisher Price toy, it gets shipped directly from her from their warehouse and through their employees. I do pay a commission obviously for them to do that service, but I'm down here living in Colombia and able to manage a business that did 10,000 in sales last month. So that's how in high level it works. Sure. Cool. What's the expenses you have for that? If you're doing $10,000 of revenue, what's your expenses? So obviously to do that much sales mean, meant that I had to put that much up front to buy the inventory, right? So I'm buying inventory in advance through there's definitely analytics where you can see how often a product sells on Amazon. Mm. And so if you know it sells a thousand times a month, and then it also shows you how many people are selling the product and what product and what price they're selling it for. So then you can do the math. There's very simple applications that you can just purchase that. So we're talking maybe, maybe four or $500 worth of kind of like software on a monthly basis. Maybe that's even on the high side, but you're, able to then make a purchasing decision and it's just a mathematical equation in my mind if i'm going to buy this product i know it's going to sell in 45 days because that's how many it's selling on amazon and if i buy it at this price i'm going to be making 25 percent profit so then it's really just an investment gotcha. from my perspective it's like i'm going to get a 25 percent of return on my money in 45 days that's kind of in basic how it works and you get to go on the beach in columbia how you like me now <laughs> how you like me now <laughs> i love it that's awesome. Let me talk about this. What do you think you have learned from Wells Fargo that you've been maximizing or from this point where you're at? What do you think you've learned? What were the good things about Wells Fargo that you took away? There's a lot of them. I mean, honestly, I had some good kind of people that were, I guess you'd call them managers, but that, you know, really took time to help. I mean, it was the, you know, high level sales role where, you know, you were helping somebody get into a $600,000 home in California with that was, you know, a multimillionaire, right? So you had to speak at a, you know, we had to be very concise with your words, very direct, but obviously show, you know, knowledge. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, at Wells Fargo, I just learned quite a few lessons about you know, the process of managing my time, you know, having a pipeline of 30 mortgages that, you know, take 45 days from start until finish. So you're managing people's emotions in a very, you know, trying time when you're buying a house. If you've got one, obviously people are um, very engaged in that process. So, I mean, the, <laughs> great, the, word. The, great word, right, by the way. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> so at the end of the day, I mean, Wells Fargo is very good at kind of helping me with that through support through, I had some very good managers there, but I'd also just to learn a lot of the sales process and how to, you know, manage my time so I can move on to the next transaction. But at the same time, you know, keep the people that were currently helping satisfied and obviously giving them a great experience overall. So that's kind of the main things I learned because those aren't natural to me, but it was cool mm. from that experience to be able to kind of advance and yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's funny because you and I obviously we've we've known each other for quite some time, and we have met uh, way early in this process. So I've got to have kind of a I don't know bird's eye view of your trajectory in this quest to go south or or go to some place where you can speak and learn Spanish. Uh, but I remember you giving me specific timelines and dates that you wanted me to hold you accountable to. How did you create that plan? Tell me about that. I guess it was more of realizing it was kind of going into just how much money I would need prior to making, you know, the jump and kind of knowing my budget that it would maybe take and then researching the areas of the country I wanted to go to or the world, I should say. And, you know, kind of being a little bit more, you know, thinking through, I wanted to learn Spanish. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to create an income source that allowed me to do it anywhere I wanted to be. And so I didn't, you know, find that income source into maybe a couple months after telling you the plan, but it kind of just came to me kind of an answer to prayer through the, you know, Amazon part. And obviously I'd uh, been investing through Bitcoin and other things kind of on the asset side. So it's kind of a combination of those. For sure. So Drew, wait, I got to go back. I got to go back. So what a freeing feeling you have sitting at your computer in Iowa, right? Thinking, where do I want to go learn Spanish? right? Like, tell me the places where you kind of like, was Columbia the only place you looked? Like, tell me about the different locations that you were like, well, that kind of sounds fun because like really the world is your oyster, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, like you're kind of playing on a different playing field. (laughs) Exactly. So let's just be honest here. (laughs) So pretty much came, I thought for the first four months, it was going to be Madrid, Spain. But then for a couple of reasons, it was kind of entering kind of their winter season when I was going to be over there versus South America is kind of perfect weather this time of year. And then realistically, <laughs> <Weather> <laughs> always, yes. yeah, yeah, I should say that it's probably 70 degrees every day. So it's pretty perfect. <laughs> um, so it was going to be, you know, Argentina or Colombia, pretty much uh, Colombia just has a very clean way that they speak Spanish. If that makes sense, it's very comprehensible. Uh, so that was kind of another reason. And their money is 3000 of their currency, their pesos to one US dollar. And so nice. literally you can, you know, get a steak dinner at a nice restaurant for $10 like I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's great, man. So you've touched on a little bit. You're running an Amazon business. Now it's taught cryptocurrency. When did you start looking at cryptocurrency, invest in cryptocurrency and kind of shed some light on how that's played into this transition. Yeah. So about two years ago, a friend of mine had, you know, turned my eye to to Bitcoin and, and altcoins and cryptocurrencies. And so I just just dove into it. I it just I kinda a skill I have I think is just seeing down the road and I just knew that this was the next thing that everybody in the world will know about in the next five to 10 years and how the blockchain technology is really a, a key part behind its, its rationale. So I got into that and just started to invest for my assets, quite a considerable amount just because of, you know, backing it up and, you know, seeing quite a bit of returns from it, probably like 25 X in two years. So it's pretty darn good, but that gave me an extra boost of confidence. And uh, so, yeah. And then, you're in a foreign country and we've talked at length about this and I've talked about it on our, on our YouTube video. Share with our listeners how influential cryptocurrency is in a foreign country. Very. So uh, 
everywhere I go, literally almost every single day now, somebody brings it up to me. I'm working and having this call in a new co-working space. And literally the first day I showed up here, there was three people setting up a Binance account in a Coinbase account right next to me. And they were talking about different things. And then some guy walked by. I'm pretty sure it was an Arabic language and he just was talking. I didn't hear it. And then he threw out the word Bitcoin and just, it kept on going. I'm like, that's the only word I understood. And just literally everywhere. I was in a very small town a couple of weeks ago, you know, population of maybe 5,000 people in rural Colombia. And this lady that was 70 years old had a Bitcoin account serving me coffee. <laughs> it was like everywhere. But the reason rationale is, I mean, their currency has devalued by 50% in the last three years. Mm. So the reality is this is such a safe investment compared to their currency mm. in relative terms. So I think their thought process is way different than ours in that sense. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so neat. You know, you obviously give us a different perspective from another part of the world. I mean, we've had a stable banking system for, you know, a hundred plus years and really, um, you know, from the beginning of the founding of our country compared to so many different countries around the world that mm-hmm. just, you know, they, their currency is devalued on a regular basis. So talking about your, you know, residual income and doing the numbers you need to meet your uh, budget now in a different foreign country, um, banking is important, right? Like you, you've kind of changed banking systems. um, And you, you're a proponent of our cash value life insurance process. Uh, Walk our listeners through like what banking has been like and the the importance of having access to not only cash, but Bitcoin internationally. Yeah. um, I mean, I think to answer your question, I did, you know, think through quite a bit about, you know, a life policy that allowed me to get a cash value and is more of a long-term kind of safer investment. And yeah, I mean, being able to see that cash value go up over time, I mean, in the next five to 10 years, thinking ahead, that's it just made so much sense for my scenario, especially wanting to have a family and kids down the road. And then just with, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Bitcoin and so forth like that. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, there's so much opportunity there and it's just the beginning in my opinion. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm pretty much not reinvesting everything that I have right now, but at some point, obviously there's income that you can be pulling out from that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So, I mean, I think if we're thinking about the seven source of residual income, you definitely have a banking component of that. So that's the first one that we would say you have investments with your Bitcoin and you run a business with Amazon that's providing a way of lifestyle for you and cash flow, And they all kind of work synergistically together. What do you think the next seven source of residual income will be for you? Will it be subscriptions? Will it be real estate? Will it be royalties? What are you thinking on that? Yeah, so definitely I've been looking at a couple different business vehicles. I think real estate's definitely going to be one in the near future. There's a lot of people that invest into the Medellin market. And one guy I know that has multiple properties down here, literally 10% per year is how much the real estate's increased over the last five years. And you can see why. I mean, everybody floods here because it's much more safer than it had been before. It's mm. a cheap way of living, a beautiful weather. So a lot of people out of other countries come here to live. And so real estate's a great investment. I'm looking into that. And then outside of that, yes, yeah, subscription-based, um, just with all the information I've been learning with me and kind of a mastermind group I have on the crypto currency side, Bitcoin, I think there's just so much value we could provide to people that are looking for maybe the right coins to invest in. And I think we, you know, I have some information 
to provide. So I think we're going down that route of maybe having like encryption service to have people know their options. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Sure. Very cool. Did everything go according to plan, Drew, when you, when you set off on this path, did everything go smoothly or was there some hiccups? Yeah. I mean, definitely not everything went smoothly for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, even from like a mental standpoint, it was, you know, as much as I, you know, wanted to do this, everybody was saying, you know, my close circle were saying that I should do it. It's still, you know, I was hesitant to make a jump like this, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, it's more of was like a mental thing, if that makes sense, but, but everything has been going smooth. I mean, obviously owning a business is not like something that's, you know, smooth on a daily basis. It takes, you know, dedication. And, and so that, you know, has took, you know, time and, 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 thought process and sometimes money to figure out answers. But, but yeah, I think for the most part, you know, that's, it, it's been, you know, day by day, it's getting better for sure. Cool. When did you know that this Sorry. different like uh, approach, this uncommon path was going to work? So, or are you there yet? You might not be there. I don't know. I definitely am. I mean, yeah, the I moment I arrived here, it just, you know, it was obvious that I'd made the right decision and, you know, I appreciated my past corporate position and other type things, but I'm a traveler. I love to meet new people, experience new things. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I definitely know I made the right decision and I can see myself, you know, there's so many opportunities that have been opening up because I just kind of, you know, jumped in the deep end. And so, yeah, I definitely feel it kind of was after the fact it was, you know, logic and friends encouragement. And then, you know, now that I jumped in, it's like, I'm not going back to how I was living before. This is, you know, just, it literally costs maybe $2,000 a month down here to live like good and $3,000 a month. You can eat out wherever you want and live in a nice pad. Like you just, it's not, it's that type of like, you know, spending way more money living in Des Moines without the benefits. Right. And mm-hmm. the 3000 a month probably includes a side trip or two to like another country within South America. So it's just, uh, amazing what you can do. And as long as I have a laptop, I really can set up shop wherever. Yeah. What a blessing it was just like, it was an instantaneous. As soon as you made the decision, like there was really not a lot of time there that was like shaky or what did I do? <laughs> that was a huge blessing I think from you or for you in that whole walk. So I'm glad to hear that. One of the common themes of all of our guests that we've interviewed so far is mentorship. And you talked about a mastermind group. Uh, What have you been surrounding yourself with, you know, mentally and emotionally, like you said, because there's always doubts, right? Of what, what am I doing? Or people question you. So how have you, you know, surrounded yourself with people of like mind to help you just continue to grow and evolve in this process? Yeah. I mean, I think there's just value in who you associate with and I value a positive attitude and believing, you know, when you say that you can do something, good things happen. When you say you can't do something, your mind's closed to it. So I definitely had some circle of friends, including the two of you who have provided sound, you know, financial advice on top of other friends in different kind of areas, being a Christian, having that kind of spiritual support and mm-hmm. just friend that's willing to kind of listen to you every step and just family and so forth and other friends. Um, but also just people of, you know, leadership mindsets and things like that. So I think just the areas that I wanted to, you know, get better in, I just sucked 
you know, seeked out people like somebody that was good on Amazon. I seeked out those people. I mm. traveled, like I said earlier, to these places just to, you know, get around them and ask all the questions I needed to ask from somebody that was already proven in an industry uh, or, you know, maybe proven in marriage, like so I can get that advice. Sure. I mean, all that type of stuff. So I think that's the key. Somebody has fruit on the tree is what I was looking for. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. I did. Good point. That's Great really point. Good. What sacrifices have you had to make? to be uncommon? So, I mean, obviously, you know, leaving family and friends behind wasn't easy, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not convenient for me to travel home often just because, you know, Des Moines and Minneapolis doesn't have direct flights from Columbia, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, so that's one, right? You're kind of leaving what seems like friends and family behind, but at the same time, they're still there and I'm still able to communicate through Skype and other ways consistently since being down here. But other sacrifices, you know, obviously, um, you know, losing a steady income job to be able to start a company and move to a country where I didn't know that many people was a risk for sure. But mm-hmm. it's all paid off. Um, you know, I found a good university. I'm studying Spanish and just good friends <laughs> and quality people. And honestly, the people that are I'm meeting down here have a very similar mindset where they're, you know, very open to experiences. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pretty seamless transition. That's cool. Very neat. What would you say this step out has done for your faith? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely enhanced it. I mean, whenever, you know, you step out and, you know, not in the unknown, that's what faith is, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're, I, I've definitely felt, um, you know, just answers upon answers and opportunities and people that have come in my path. And just, it's hard to fully describe in, in a brief podcast, but just a lot of cool opportunities. And it's definitely grown my faith as a result. Awesome. I could see that. Definitely. What surprises or uh, I guess maybe surprises that are still happening on a day-to-day basis, probably for you, even like realizations and how you're going about your life. What has been some of those, uh, I guess, either aha moments or I guess surprises in your day-to-day life in Colombia? Um, I mean, one of the major surprises was finding out how cheap it was to live here and how much I had been paying for, to, you know, in Des Moines to live in the winter. <laughs> I remember so, the first time you had a good steak dinner, you called me and you're like, dude, I just had like the most baller meal, $17. And he's like, exactly. I, I went all out, all out, dessert, wine, steak. I love that story. Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, you know, another realization is I've met so many intelligent people in the, in the crypto blockchain space down here that have like companies that they're running down here. I mean, there is like, uh, Medellin is, I don't know if you know, is like the considered like the Silicon Valley of South America. A lot of people invest. A lot of people come down here because it's easier to start like a company. You don't have to pay. I mean, employees aren't expecting as high of a wage and Mm. there's a lot of good talent down here. And so just I've met a lot of cool connections that way that have led to uh, some pretty sound opportunities coming my way in that. And just, you know, again, it's rubbing shoulders with those that have more wisdom than you in an area. And wow, have I found that down here in, in the Bitcoin crypto space. Good. Looking at, you know, I think Philip touched on this with you, looking at the process it took to make this decision to move to another country, you know, you had to find goals, budgets, that type of thing. Now that you're on the other side of the fence, as you look forward, what are those new goals, budgets, 
as you kind of look for this, probably, you know, we talked to either like a subscription model or how do you leverage your, you know, all the stuff you're learning and seeing about cryptocurrency and foreign investment and uh, those types of things. Kind of walk the listener through the next 12 months uh, and just your thought process around that. Are you giving yourself kind of grace just to enjoy the moment and just soak things up? Or, you know, are you set, are, are you already setting, um, you know, new hurdles for you to achieve? Yeah, I mean, literally on a daily basis with some people I'm close with, we're talking about different opportunities that we're seeing because, you know, in the in the crypto space, to be specific, but so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different goals with that. Maybe helping a bunch of people because a lot of people I'm around, you know, are getting turned on to this being a good concept, but don't know where step one is. And so that's where I think you know I can provide it, assistance is helping people to you know understand and get educated. And I know the two of you are looking into that too. So you know, just that's one definitely an area I think that in the next 12 months. But at the end of the day, too. I mean, I came down here to kind of live the dream, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm touring museums. I'm like last week I was in a southern region looking at beautiful Cora Valley, which is amazing, and you know, just touring coffee farms and you know, so I'm living the dream too. I mean, it's kind of a, a mix, right? You know, after five years in a sales position at Wells Fargo, I'm, you know, just kind of you know wanted a break too. So it's kind of a, a cool median where I control if I want to work when I want to work. And so it's kind of a combination right now, but yeah, I definitely am setting goals and have some pretty clear ones for the next year, but it's just a matter of, you know, kind of taking it in too, because life passes quick. And the whole point is really to, and a major goal is to become fluent in Spanish in the next five months. So that's a major focus. And then um, from there. Cool. Let me, so you had said that you wouldn't go back to corporate America. Um, So what advice would you give just our listeners and someone just that you met on the street, or if you came back to Iowa for Christmas or, or a holiday, what advice would you give uh, those people? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's pretty much just, what are you excited about? Mm-hmm. Do you get turned on to show up every day and wake up at seven and get in traffic and go through sleet and go when you're not feeling good to the office? I mean, when it came down to, to me, I mean, all the accolades, you know, sending on, you know, different trips that Wells Fargo did and, you know, all these bonuses. But at the end of the day, I just, if, you know, if you're not happy about where you're at and just the structure of, you know, you're under, I just had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think a lot of people out there do too. And obviously there's a disconnect between, they think there's a lot of risk to do it. Mm -hmm. But realistically, I started the Amazon business outside of my full-time job, you know, again, four to six months prior to leaving. And so it gave me a cushion of confidence to know that it was going to work out. So I don't think you need to jump in the deep end right away, but at the same time, it's, you know, spread your options out there. I mean, if something happened, like I figured to myself, I would type on a keyboard and talk to people all day. If I had broke my finger playing basketball and I couldn't type for six weeks, that could have stopped my income. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't, I wanted something that was going to be residual based that continued to pay me without, as you guys are saying through, you know, the seven steps of wealth creation. And, you know, that's just how you protect yourself and your, my future family, because it's just risky to only have one source of income, I think in our society. And there's nothing wrong with corporate America, if that's your passion, but I just get the impression most people that I was working with were not that passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew, one last thing I want to kind of nail this down because it's something we've heard with some of our other uh, guests. And I think it's something that Philip and I have gone through. 
you know, I think so many people rely on corporate America for training or, you know, I, I like to call it personal development, whatever you want to call it. Walk our listener through, if you can, somewhat specifically of that, like you have sought out mentors, you have sought out trainings, you have sought out webinars, speakers, all those different things. Can you really frame in what it's been like to invest in yourself and just kind of shed light on that for you? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, education doesn't stop after college. And I think a lot of people in corporate America say that they're getting educated, but realistically, it's more of the mindset behind it. One great book that comes to my mind right now is Mindset by Carol DeWick. She's a Stanford professor, unbelievably written. Um, LeBron James, his first championship, him and his whole team read the book prior to that championship run in Miami and, you know, tribute. It's just really good because it's all about a growth mindset, right? It's, you can be somewhere, anything in life can be a learning lesson. It's just a matter of you choosing it to be. And again, it's having the open mind saying, how can I, and being positive about it. It's not that overcomplicated. It's just being like, everything can teach you. Every experience can teach you. And so I think in corporate America, it's kind of tough sometimes because if you stick your head up too high or over ambitious, then people trying to knock you. I don't know. It's just, but if you have the right mindset about it, I think it can work out. But there's so many other books and self-development outside. And realistically, having friends like you and other people that like hold you accountable to things and you're growing as a person, I think is huge too. Getting around other people that are growing, it's pretty important too. It motivates you. Yeah, you know, I, I think of a story about the fisherman who never puts uh, a lid on the crab cake or crab crate because he knows that no crabs will get out because as soon as somebody tries to get out of that crate – another crab will grab it and pull it back in. So he doesn't need a lid on the crate, right? Mm-hmm. And so to surround yourself with people that one, encourage you to try to draw out that passion, that entrepreneurial spirit um, is so impactful and important in this quest of this uncommon life. And then, and, and then seeking out mentors that will help you down this path. And what I, th- I really think, and sometimes I think there's some people in corporate America that you you don't risk anything that you like, you don't learn as much when you don't have as much to lose. And I would say that you've been, you had more education in the last six months than you've ever had in college because you had so much to lose almost. Right. And so for me to see where you're at now is super encouraging and to see it successful and it couldn't, it, it could have gone the other way too. Right. Uh, Bitcoin might not have gone up and this Amazon accounts would have, but you would have fallen on those mentors that you would have established earlier to say, Hey, what am I doing wrong here? Because I see you are successful and you had that safety net, which uh, you've done a really good job in doing that. So I thank you so much for just your, your story and your enthusiasm and your leadership in this drew. It's, it's fun to see where you're at and where you're going. Um, what would you say the next step for you is and where you're going? Yeah. I mean, the, the next step right now is really just, um, I mean, it's been a couple months since I've been down here, but it's kind of flown by. And uh, realistically, it's more of just, you know, getting used to this lifestyle of traveling where, you know, I can and working and getting used to a routine because I kind of can do whatever I want whenever I want, which is kind of a fun feeling. But <laughs> at the same time, um, you know, obviously everything in life, you have to have structure and so forth. So it's more, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited for, you know, traveling more. I'm going to see multiple other countries down here. And then, you know, just, um, there's a, you know, just, I'm seeking on a bunch of things. I'm going to a Bitcoin conference next month in Miami and just all kinds of different stuff just to get continually educated and, and, uh, 
just refining my circle of friends and just those that can help, I guess. Awesome. Drew, thank you so much for your time today. You're definitely someone we want to have back on the show. Uh, you know, I'd say like in a year and just see where you're at. Where can people follow you and your journey in uh, South America and cryptocurrency? Yeah, it's pretty simple. At, at Twitter, it's at Drew Cutcom, C-U-T-K-O-M-P. And on Facebook, pretty easy to, to look up. And on Instagram, same as well. Uh, so yeah, just feel free. I mean, I definitely uh, see a lot of information, pass it along. And yeah. Great. Great, man. Well, hey, you guys have been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. Thank you so much, Drew. Uh, I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and go to the podcast at iTunes or Google Play. Rate the show and leave a review so we can get out and get around more people that want an uncommon life. So guys, we hope you're on the lookout for the next episode. Thanks for listening in and uh, have a great day. Thanks, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.